everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate. Today we have a very special special guest. Her name is Jenny Locke. Jenny Locke is a 2019 30 under 30 realtor with over 100 sales transactions in her real estate career. Jenny, welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself real quick? Hey, welcome. Um, thank you so much, Brian, for having me here today. And I've known Brian for many years now, so it's really exciting to see us grow in this real estate industry and path mm-hmm. to build wealth and passive income. And a little about myself, I initially uh, came up to the Bay Area working at Oracle in technology sales, and I really wanted to buy a house by the age of 28 years old. And then I fast forward my goal and bought my house at 23 years old. <laughs> and wow. Hacking, yes, and just with the knowledge and realizing that my rent was going towards someone else's mortgage, so mm-hmm. that's how I really got into real estate to um, just buy something so I don't have to pay rent anymore and get my other roommates to pay me instead. Mm-hmm. So that was my first stepping stone, and then wow, um, that's pretty amazing. Thank you. And then from there, I wanted to purchase more investment properties and trying to increase my income. And I realized the best route to do that was to go full force and be in the real estate field as a real estate agent in the Bay Area and help others to really learn how to do the same thing I've done and be able to build equity and uh, passive income from just owning properties and making more passively in equity than I have I was at my previous W2 job. <laughs> crazy. Can you can we take a step back? What were you doing before you you dove yourself into real estate? What was your W2 job? Yes. Um, so before that I was at Oracle. So I was in technology sales and that was down in Redwood City, Redwood Shores area. Mm-hmm. I was managing database and account management for um, small and medium businesses out in Denver. So I worked wow. with a lot of small um, upcoming companies and being able to help them solve their um, database problems and their technology problems for growth. And it was definitely a great learning experience. And I really uh, love that experience because now I'm helping a lot of my past colleagues from Oracle buy homes. I just gave keys to two sets of my past um, colleagues in the last month. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, I know you mentioned that you were working in technology sales before. How you mm-hmm. felt like some of those skills translated over to being a strong realtor? I would say there's a lot of things within sales that we learned. We went through Oracle Sales Academy, so we learned okay. how just really follow up and be diligent, making calls. So our standard was making 30 to 50 calls per mm-hmm. day and then um, sending out emails and just meeting with clients, figuring out how to set up your pipeline. So we truly run, I truly run my business with my team mm-hmm. on a operational um, systems perspective with similar to the corporate model. And I think that's what really sets um, our team apart from a lot of other agents who might 
go tour some houses, show around some homes, go to inspections, put up signs and uh, meet with stagers and do all these different things versus we really focus on the main um, the main four things we should be doing as a real estate investor and agent, which is um, what we the initials are plan It is prospecting, lead uh, lead follow up appointments and negotiations and then everything else should be delegated to other people because that's not worth your your time like the lower dollar producing activities okay well makes a lot of sense then and can you walk us through your team right now how big is your team and what's your team called yes um so we're own real estate and our team is of 12 people so we have eight agents on the team and then four staff members Mm -hmm. so staff is consists of a marketing manager who helps us with our social media our direct mail and a lot of other pieces to we do a lot of door knocking so they help Mm -hmm. us with creating the content and printing out flyers which um takes a lot of time off of our backs and Mm -hmm. then we have a transaction coordinator who is helping with all of our um escrows talking to the lenders making sure our escrow closed smoothly right like helping put mm-hmm. in sign for our offers as well too because if most agents are spending a lot of time writing offers and especially with investors it takes it could take maybe two three hours to write one offer potentially in the beginning wow. we delegate that to someone else that really gives us more time back to just focus on meeting with the core people to build relationships and bring in more deals and connect more sellers and buyers and investors together. And then we also have a listing coordinator who um, meets with all of our vendors and handles all the nitty gritty of our listings. Mm-hmm. And it really gives us a lot of time back. <laughs> I like, I like the team structure. It's very corporate style that you're bringing to your team. So I like that a lot. Um, I think you mentioned something about door knocking, like door knocking is very applicable to my line of business as well. That's how we find like most of our, our flip deals. Mm-hmm. I just want to know the difference between your door knocking, door knocking strategy and ours. You, typically for us, you walk to the owner and we ask them like, Hey, like, are you interested in selling your house? Mm-hmm. And then it's really hard for us to distinguish that we're not a real estate agent. We're here to purchase the house all cash. There's certain things that we can say that's kind of salesy, but I want to, I want to talk through that part with you. Like, what do you usually say to these homeowners when you door knock in their, in their homes? Yes. Um, so a lot of the times I think it, uh, so your approach is more direct. Mine is a little less direct. It's more mm-hmm. so, hey, we have this event for the community. Um, we're having a charity event for Habitat for Humanity. We're going to build some homes. So we're going to do a casino night. So it'll be fun mm-hmm. and would love for you to come by and help support. Wow. And we always give it more so of a give and take where mm-hmm. people love helping others. But if you're asking them, oh, can you help me? I want to buy and flip a house. So I pick a farm of a thousand homes actually. And then wow. I, I not consistently build those relationships. Mm-hmm. I just come by and say hello and just check on how they're doing. And then just simply ask them, Hey, how's, how's your Tuesday afternoon going? How's mm-hmm. your Wednesday morning going? Just because a lot of the times people are, li- are empty nesters or widowed people who are living at home by themselves. Mm-hmm. And 
they need someone to talk to. Sometimes they haven't talked to anyone all day. So, um, but they also know what's going on with the neighborhood. So they'll give me tips. I'll ask them, hey, I do have this great family who's looking to move into this neighborhood and they love XYZ neighborhood and want to be in XYZ school district. And we wrote an offer on that property, but we were second. Would we, have you heard of any rumors of anyone that might be looking to sell at the right price? Saying mm-hmm. at the right price really um, gets some thinking just because everyone would probably sell at a right price. Everything is for sale if you think about it mm-hmm. at the right price. <laughs> so just seeing what their reaction is. And then um, I've gotten referrals from that. I've gotten people saying, hey, they just um, had an estate sale, so they're clearing out their house. Maybe you should reach out to them. So just hearing feedback from the neighbors. Um, and that's how I've been targeting a lot of specific homes and mm-hmm calling them, um, backtracking and calling them um, at their phone numbers, if they're absentees, they don't live in the area and say, hey, I saw your house and was wondering what your goals were with the home. Wow. I really, yeah, I really like those points that you brought up, like really building that rap support with the people that you meet mm-hmm. and consistently doing it over and over until you build a familiar face and the familiar presence of a, of a reliable, trustworthy realtor. I think that could be applied to anything too, including my, my side of the world. Mm-hmm. For me, I get a lot of like, no, I'm not interested in selling. Are you trying to scab me? <laughs> but I like how you soften that approach where you're like, okay, you're building the rap support first. And that's super important because mm-hmm. real estate is a relationship game at the end of the day, you know? Exactly. I like that a lot, Jenny. Yeah, people base off of uh, relationships, not really just, hey, um, because from what I'm hearing, a lot of investors do, it sounds more transactional, which Mm -hmm. is great, but then to build longer relationships, you get more of the referrals and it'll be less of that grind down the road because people are like, okay, I need to call Jenny. She knows she has investors to work with. If I want to, don't, I want to sell as is, I don't want to put any work into it or she can help me list it. So coming with multiple solutions. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So I want to take a step back and kind of walk through your story. Like what made you, like what made you leave your W2 job? Mm-hmm. And what other challenges do you face when you first begin your real estate career? Yes. Um, thank you for asking. I think that's definitely a deeper question to, to really dive into. And mm-hmm. um, taking that leap of faith is a bit, bit scary and intimidating. Yeah. And what I really focus on was the future. Mm-hmm. And I had one mentor. Um, his name is Tariel. You know him as well. When I met him, he told me, Hey, what you need to do is go home, write your five-year goal and your plan for that. What you want to accomplish personally, professionally, spiritually, health-wise, and then your four-year goal, then your three-year goal, then your two-year goal, then your one-year goal, then mm-hmm. your six then five months, four months, three months, two months, one month, mm-hmm. legal, and then your daily goal, higher <laughs> legal. So he told me that, and that really um, put it into perspective of what mm-hmm. I wanted to accomplish. And um, when I started off, I wrote out like I want to own, like have like ten thousand dollars of passive income per month. I want to own thirty homes. I want mm-hmm. to. Um, just like really work backwards. I want to buy a house here in the Bay area, another house for um, Mm -hmm. my, my future family to like just grow my kids with and Mm -hmm. 
just really working backwards. And then before I was, when I was 23 years old, I had nothing. I was renting. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just, th- yeah, three years ago. Then now um, just really setting a plan in place and looking at the end goal in mind and also creating a big why too. So my big why, um, my parents were immigrants who came here from China in the 80s and mm-hmm still work in a clothing factory, sewing clothes every day, 12 hour days, seven days a week. So I really think about the hard work that they put into me. And mm-hmm. I, I really strive to help them live a life that they deserve. Mm-hmm. So living either if it's an early retirement or semi-retirement, I think Asian parents always want to work forever. So I don't know if I can truly get them to retire, but be able to take them on trips. Um, so I'm taking them to Barcelona and in uh, for Thanksgiving. So, and then I just fly them out here from New York to San Francisco a few times mm-hmm. a year. And I go out there to see them. So it's just really putting that end goal in mind of I'm doing this for my parents and then I'm doing this for my future family. Mm-hmm. Yeah that it makes everything easier making the door knocking not painful making the cold calling not painful at the follow-up people don't like to do all these small things but (laughs) but when you look at hey where has gotten me then it really sheds light of okay this is all worth it wow that's that's very relatable to me i also come from a pretty poor background my parents escaped the vietnam war you know they came over here with nothing and all my life, like, we always talked about things we wish we had. <laughs> it's very similar to yours. Like, I fly my parents out to different places. I pay for their mortgage. Like, mm-hmm. I give them money every month. I do the same things you do. So, mm-hmm. very similar why, very heartfelt when you said that part. So, at least I know, like, we're not alone doing this process. Because sometimes it, it kind of sucks, like, not having a single weekend or having calls all the way until, like, 11 p.m. at night. But you think back to your parents and we make it worth it, you know? Yes. So, and, yeah, yeah. Just back about the parents and we work hard now and like that we can invest, invest for our time back in the future. Mm-hmm. Some things like similar to you, probably your parents work really hard and you didn't really get to see them that often. So I think that's something that hopefully both of us want and other people who's, who are listening is that, I want to be able to spend time with my kids because my parents didn't really get to spend that much time with me because they were spending so much time to work hard to provide for me and my brother. So I want to be able to just take them to their sports practice games, just travel on weekends or mm-hmm. take summer off to just go explore. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that point. Um, I want to talk more about your accomplishments. I mean, we all know that you're 2019 30 under 30 realtor. You're really well known among our group as well. Like we're all like, oh man, Jenny Locke's a badass, you know? Like, what? We talked about your motivation system that you have so far. I just want to know more about like, how you ever thought about imagining yourself being 30 under 30? Do you visualize yourself? Like, how do you set goals um, so micro that you can like visually? do step by step in order to get to your goal like what was your mindset behind trying to get to 30 30 under 30 yes um so how i heard about 30 under 30 initially was from my my mentor uh, my team lead wilson leung and he was a finalist for 30 under 30 in um, 2017 Mm -hmm. and that was just two years ago and 
for him, he made the final 50, but not the 30. So I told him, I'm going to become 30 under 30 for for you. So Mm -hmm. that was the main goal. I wanted to prove to him that I can do it. And I set a two-year goal for that um, from 2017 to 2019. Hey, I'm going to be 30 under 30 uh, within my second year of real estate. Mm -hmm. And I woke up every morning and I just would say affirmations. I'm Jenny Locke and I'm 30 under 30. Jenny Mm -hmm. Locke. Under thirty, people Mm -hmm. like before I go and knock on doors. I'm like, people want to talk to me. People love uh, meeting with me. I'm here to make people's days, and I'm here to just be a value to the community. I don't go in. Oh, I'm here to come list a house, um, or Mm -hmm. I'm here to like help sell your house. Like I don't think that, or I'm helping here in that because that comes off as what we call commission breath. What we really strive is to show value, how we really care about them and their goals. And I just focused on that, on the people, and never really thought about um, the commission I was going to make. I was thinking more about, okay, how many families I can help. My goal my first year was to help, um, I think it was 18 families, and I suppressed that goal of helping 25 families. And then my next year's goal was helping um, 24 families, and I increased it to 36, and then I was able to help 40 families. This year is to help uh, a little more, like 48 to 50 families, and I've already helped 37 families, and it's only uh-huh. So it's really amazing to just really focus on one family at a time, mm-hmm. and focus on one day each hour and being very purposeful of time blocking and knowing knowing your numbers too okay i want to like knock for 10 hours this week and be able to talk to at least 20 people per day so that's some of the basic metrics i look into every single day that i know Mm -hmm. that will make it a winning day yeah, I like that. I mean, you shift your mentality from I want to like hit my number to how can I help as many people as possible, you know, like having that giver mentality can get you like I think that's a better approach to business, you know. And everything you mentioned so far is very consistent along the lines of building a stronger relationship with people and making an impact and helping as many people as you can. And that's that's really good. That's a really good approach. Um, and I mean, I talked to a lot of realtors, and a lot of them were like, "They don't build a relationship with me." They're like, "Who who are you? Like, why did you call me for?" I'm like, "Bro, you're a realtor. <laughs> that's why I called you, you know." But I I like that a lot, Jenny. Um, I mean, it's, the crazy part is, you can technically still make the thirty under thirty like three more years. <laughs> I know. I was like, but. Once you get it, then you can't get it again. <laughs> but yeah, we just get that recognition. But I, mm-hmm. it was one time like, okay, if I don't get this, I'm, I, I'll have to apply next year again. I'm going to apply every single year until I get mm-hmm. it. Luckily, but the first time I applied, <laughs> I got it. But mm-hmm. I think my next goal is to really help my team members because there's a few people under 30 as well to become 30 under 32 and strive for that ambition and now seeing and being able to lead others making um like 22 23 year olds making over 100 grand a year mm-hmm. and that has been very fulfilling to me because mm-hmm. they never thought that um their first job out of college they will be making this type of money <laughs> mm-hmm. wow that's that's really good i mean you have earning going for you building relations everywhere inside your team outside your team Kill it, Jenny. Love it. 
So what are your goals for the rest of the year, next year, and five years from now? Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity. And I have to definitely look back. I want to look back at what um, I did when Terrielle told me to write it a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this year's goals is really to um, spend time and travel with my family. So I um, and my significant other and also friends. So I always, for this year, I plan for one trip a month. I think last year I was grinding really hard that I didn't really get time to really enjoy and travel. And I'm now taking a step back to go on one trip a month. I'm going to Portugal and Vienna this weekend and then Barcelona with my parents and going to New York. So learning to be able to leverage others is what I've really gained versus last year. I did so much on my own that I got burnt Mm -hmm. out, but now I'm making more and helping more families than I did last year by leveraging other people and giving them the opportunity to help my clients out. Mm -hmm. And now I get more time to spend with my family. So this is the main year goal for um, this year. And then the goal is also to, um, help 50 families, which I'm on track to do. And Mm -hmm. then the other goal is to have 20 units with me and my boyfriend. So we're at 18 right now. Yeah, we're at 18 units right now. Congratulations. Sometimes it's also like we set certain goals, but we also realize what we want to realign to because it's not always about the units. It's more about the the ROI and Mm -hmm. I, yes, we can probably get to 30 units, but the ROI and the appreciation might not quite be there. So mm-hmm. we want to really save up for um, the next investments, especially if 2020, 2021, there's a lot of talks that there might be more of a correction. So we want to have our cash prepared for, for that when um, to buy, purchase more deals down the road next mm-hmm. year. Um, so two-year goal from now is to be able to buy another home here in the Bay Area mm-hmm. to live in. So we're in a condo in San Francisco and eventually be able to um, build a life and start a family in that home, ideally in San Mateo. And yeah, five-year goal, I would say, is to just have more speaking engagements and be able to create a bigger network where I can empower other, other people similar to us to show that they have the potential to do more than just what they're doing um, from their standard W-2 job. So mm-hmm. my last name is Locke. So um, I always put a hashtag out there. You probably see it, unlock your potential. Mm-hmm. And I want to really be able to hone that for others and unlock people's potential in what they can do in their own lives through real estate, through investing. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that a lot. Sounds like we have very similar to your goals. So I might see you in San Mateo, neighbor. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's also my goal, too. But <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll help each other find each other's deals. Exactly. Yeah. Contractor for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling everyone, like, San Mateo is like my most ideal place. I want to raise a family. Yes. <laughs> so I've actually been looking for a lot of like fixers in that area. So, I, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at a duplex down there. But even for a fixer, for a duplex, it's like 1.3. It's over 1.3. I'm like, holy cow. Like, this is a fixer. What the heck? <laughs> more money you have to put into it. But. Exactly. But that's, that's a really good area. So, I like that. 
So what kind of advice would you give someone just starting out as a realtor? Mm -hmm. Just starting out, I would definitely say similar to what I did is walking through your five-year goal and working backwards from there. Mm -hmm. Just sit down, write it down with pen and paper. Don't type it out. Just the act of the ink flowing through when you're physically writing something, it'll sink in more. Mm -hmm. And creating a vision board of of what that looks like and Mm -hmm. then finding a great mentor too. So I'm open to being people's mentors and um, giving some advice, but really finding a great mentor you can lean on, um, even if it's a coach um, to to really help you and keep you accountable. So I really believe in coaching. At first, when I was a few years back, I'm like, why are people paying for coaching? Are they like, do they have issues? Like, I don't have issues. <laughs> I got it more of like as therapy. And, um, but then now, like, be realizing this coaching world, all these successful people have coaches. We look at the basketball players, like they all have like all different coaches for different parts of their lives. And then all the CEOs, they all have great coaches from um, like spiritual, mental, um, business coaching. So I'd say we'll find a great coach and mentor to keep you accountable and also keep track to make sure that you are accountable for yourself too. Mm-hmm. And see how how badly you want it. And I think sometimes people love being comfortable, but also be okay being with the uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's also my philosophy too. It's like, I always put myself in very uncomfortable situations because I feel that's when you grow the most personally, Mm -hmm. you can overcome these challenges. Yeah. Nice. Um, you don't mind us talking quickly about your investments um, where are your investments and what kind of returns are you, are you typically looking for for ROI or cash and cash? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really believe in diversifying your portfolio in different mm-hmm. markets. So my real estate investments, my first property I bought was from house hacking in South San Francisco. Nice. I bedroom to bath home and bought it from a home equity line of credit for my parents' house. Wow. And then I got a mortgage um, from my own from when I was working at Oracle. Mm-hmm. So then I looked at the numbers and then uh, basically the whole property was bought with bank money because we didn't put any of our money down. It was mm-hmm. home equity line of credit and then um, the mortgage. So I rent out each room and it for about $1,200. So it covers the whole mortgage and some and it's been really great cash flow. The appreciation has been really awesome. I would say close to a hundred thousand dollars every single year, which wow, is a lot of people's um, like income per year. So this is just me sitting on it. Um, I, I, hopefully, it'll still go up, but we do see a correction happening where it might uh, stagnate a little bit. But I think as long as I keep it long term, we have a strategy of just buy and hold and think it'll keep going up from there and then Mm. I increase rents because it's on a 30-year fixed mortgage and my other investments are in Kansas City I have fourplex out there two fourplexes out there and also have a single family home out in Huntsville Alabama and then also um, my boyfriend and I we own properties in Texas so between Mm. San Antonio and Dallas so a mixture of single family homes and one fourplex out there and mm-hmm. we're starting a burr right now so we are um we just bought something for like seventy thousand dollars and gonna 
or less than 70, I think it was 65,000 and they're going to mm-hmm. put 25,000 into it and it'll hopefully appraise for around 130 to 150. Wow. So we're going through that process right now. So Is that Burr in Texas? In Texas, in San Antonio. Okay. Yes. When you typically buy your investment properties, um, do you only strictly buy in B-class neighborhoods or A-class neighborhoods? And what kind of cap rate are you looking at? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're usually looking at... Um, what the first initial rule is the 1% rule. If mm-hmm. we can rent out for 1% of what we purchased for, let's say we bought it for 130, then mm-hmm. we want it to rent out for $1,300 per month. So that's the initial one. Um, we're looking at all different neighborhoods, but usually B and C class, mm-hmm. just the returns are a little better. But now we're focusing more on Bs where there's going to be less turnover and, um, and then we can get more so appreciation because a C class you'll get good cash flow, but you won't get the appreciation. Mm-hmm. So it's more, more of a combination of both. And the cap rate, um, I would say it's definitely we strive for getting like a ten percent at least. Wow, for B class as well, that's pretty high. Yeah, for double digit return is what we strive for. Um, mm-hmm. But we're also looking at our numbers where. Uh, we're calculating the cash on cash more so than the cap rate because it's what we're putting in and what we're getting out. We've leveraged some private money to put for the down payment and we're giving them a return. So when you think of that, it's infinite returns because we never put any of our own money down Mm -hmm. and we're giving um, interest rates to like our uh, siblings or other friends for the down payment. And then Mm -hmm. they're getting monthly interest and then we're getting the cash flow from there. Oh, wow. That's that's really creative strategy. I mean, I have out-of-state rental properties as well. Mm-hmm. I bought an Apex in the C-Class neighborhood for 10 to 12%, uh, Columbus, Ohio. 10 to 12% uh, cap rate. So that's kind of my goal. But I realized when I start going to like B-Class neighborhoods, I think the best thing to hope for is 6 or 7%. Uh, so when you mentioned that you went, you were striving for ten percent in B class neighborhood, immediately I'm thinking, where? <laughs> Show me. <laughs> yeah. So I also own an eight unit down in Pasadena, uh, oh, yeah. LA. So that one doesn't produce any good cash and cash in any way, shape, or form. More so appreciation. More so appreciation. So that brings me to my next question: Is appreciation more important to you, or cash flow more important to you? Mm-hmm. I would say it's a mixture of both because you can't use the appreciation right away. <laughs> so the cash flow, I think it's important to leverage to um, build up your income. And I, I believe in a mixed approach. If we just focus on appreciation and let's say there's going to be a downturn, then you're going to lose all that appreciation. Now you're going to be underwater or being, having to pay out of pocket every single mm-hmm. month for that mortgage. So I think having 50-50 is really, really great. So I have, like my Huntsville, Alabama one is great cash flow, but zero appreciation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the Texas ones, I would say, are a mix of decent cash flow and appreciation. And then here in the Bay Area, um, because I put a lot more down payment, it is cash flowing. But when we're looking at the numbers of what was put down, Mm. it's more so appreciation. (laughs) I like having all different strategies. Mm -hmm. And I think just having a hybrid of both is for new investors start with that, Mm -hmm. because you don't want something that um, 
you just have, I have to pay every single month out of pocket from, and sometimes with the great cash flow areas, we also see are all more in the C class neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. not as great neighborhoods. So you're going to find more maintenance issues, more turnover, more like we've had one issue with like a, um, a section eight tenant who, he just is crazy because he's a retired vet and he has PTSD and he had some violence issues that was causing disruption with the other tenants in that mm-hmm. fourplex. So those are little things that I think moving forward, it's a great learning experience, but ideally would want to get in a more of a hybrid situation yeah. with better, cat, um, better appreciation than just cash flow. Okay, I re- I really like that approach too. And for your stories about C class tenants, I can totally relate. Talk <laughs> more about it. Sometimes my property manager be like, "Yo, your ceiling is missing." I'm like, "How'd you do that?" <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as we're ending, I mean, as we're approaching the end of the show, I want to talk about what's your favorite book, Jenny? What do you? Mm-hmm. What's the all time favorite book that inspire you? Mm-hmm. I'd say. The generic one that got me started was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was actually driving down to Vegas and listened to that. And it's like, mm-hmm. this is the very opposite of going to Vegas. But mm-hmm. that's when it really shifted my mindset. But I would say my favorite book I always recommend is The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Wow. Because really focusing on what to do and being very purposeful with every hour of your day, every minute of your day, every interaction. Mm -hmm. And they have a great podcast as well, where they interview people who live by the one thing and how they've been able to transform their lives. And um, yeah, so I always, that's the first book I recommend anyone reading because it doesn't have to pertain to just real estate investing. Mm -hmm. It could be with any facets of life like if you're in the medical field if you're in a teacher if you're a stay-at-home mom there's been a lot of different um use cases of people who've been able to improve their lives through the one thing wow i really like that so jenny how can our listeners find out more about you yeah um i'm on instagram you can at Jenny Locke, J-E-N-N-I-E-L-O-K, and just message me that way, and I'll be pretty responsive. Or you can just Google Yelp me, and you'll find me, and you can give me a call anytime, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Jenny. Really, really happy to have you on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. I look forward to seeing what you're doing with everything, Brian. Yeah, definitely. A few years of how much you've built your real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm business definitely yeah we'll talk soon right right. thank you jenny